0: express employment professionals makes it easy forget about posting jobs sifting through resumes being ghosted and interviewing unqualified applicants visit expresspros.com to let the pros help you express employment professionals is your full service workforce solution connecting you with top talent fast with more than 40 years in the staffing business express helps thousands of companies Find great team players each year, and they can help you too. Go to expresspros.com to find the location near you. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today, we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows that we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be the chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed, that's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions that help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford a mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. I've been telling you about Tacova's boots for a very long time. Heritage, tradition, quality, comfort, style, and service are some of the best features of Takova's. But now they also have a gift for my listeners. Tacovas will throw in one of their best selling trucker hats or ball caps free with a minimum purchase of $100 at tacovas.com. Just use code BONES at checkout. That's B O N E S at tacovas.com. And that's T E C O V A S.com. Come and point your toes west. Uh.
1: Be kind to things, little food for your soul. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful. Things. Life a little more, Tight, tighten
0: up your core. Said EK, you kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Happy Thursday, everybody! You know, I gotta say, I'm pretty excited about today's episode because my sister is on, and she's talking about how my eating disorder affected her for the many years that I was in it. And then we also get into what it's like for her now that I'm in recovery. And so that's pretty much what we cover in the first thing. And then in the second thing, we discuss what can contribute to eating disorder development. Because while I had an eating disorder, my sister, who I'm very close to and had the same experience as me as a child, you know, with our dad leaving, which my original therapist told me that's likely what prompted my eating disorder to start. I disagree with that a little bit now. But anyway, my sister didn't have the same body issues that I have. So uh, we go over some of that. And then in the third thing, we talk about lies that can enter our head. Now, if you have had any type of disordered eating or body image stuff, you've got lies in your head all the time that you got to shut down. But my sister, again, not having struggled with an eating disorder, she gets vulnerable and shares the lies that she feels in her head and some of it that started when she was younger and now um, even affects her as an adult and how you got to like get rid of that, get rid of the lies and quiet them. Then in the fourth thing, I share nine ways to squash food guilt. I thought that that was a good way to to wrap up our, our conversation because in the first thing you'll hear how I have the food freedom now and I'm no longer living with with the guilt that I used to feel if I were to eat a certain way. So a little bit of an episode that uh, is a follow-up to outweigh, kind of, except for Lisa's not here for it, and it's just me and my sister. And I really appreciate Christy for uh, coming on and getting honest with me during our talk because she says things to me that she hasn't ever said to me before. And it was good for us to have this discussion, and y'all are getting to hear it. And for me, I'm thankful to be on the other side of things because life without disordered eating— outweighs everything. And that's why Lisa and I titled our disordered eating series outweigh because it really, really does. And you'll hear about how my life is better without all the eating and body crap that I was going through. You'll hear about that in today's episode. So I just hope it's an encouragement to a lot of you. Before we get into the first thing, I want to quickly Shout out my sister's cute little coffee shop in Colorado. If you need awesome coffee, you can order it from her, and she has other super cute gifts on her website too, as well. And it's RootHouseCo.com. And on Instagram, they're at RootHouseCo. Seriously, some of the best coffee ever. We just ran out, and she came to visit me, and she didn't even bring me any coffee. I was like, Christy, hello, we're out of coffee now. You're gonna have to ship me some. So, it really is great. You can get it whole bean. Or if you want it ground, just make sure you let her know, and they'll grind it up for you and get it in the mail. And it's super awesome. Uh, again, on Instagram, at Root House Co. And speaking of Instagram, Mary and I are going to be doing a Friday night live on a Spa this Friday night. So that's at Shop Espoir if you want to join us for that. And we just want to talk to you all about a couple things. Uh, first and foremost the new Hunger Games book because Mary's done with it and I'm almost done with it. And I know a lot of you are reading it and we just got to talk about some things. We also have a new Four Things Gratitude Journal and then works and our new Espoir Neon Pink, pink and white pullover that I'm obsessed with. And our sunglasses are very, very limited. Sunglasses are back and they go on sale tomorrow, Friday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. You can go to RadioAmy.com for all of that. But Anytime we put something out, we like to connect with y'all and just see what you're up to. So join us at Shop Espoir, Friday Night Live. And then, yeah, sunglasses, shirt, tomorrow, 10 a.m., if you happen to be listening to this on Thursday, which y'all let me know. Send me notes. Like, when are you listening to the podcast? Is it the day it comes out? Is it Friday? Is it on the weekends? Are you way behind? Are you on schedule? I don't know. Just let me know kind of how y'all are consuming the podcast. I would appreciate that. Y'all can let me know at Radio Amy on Instagram or you can email me four things with Amy Brown at gmail.com. Okay, here's today's episode.
1: First thing.
0: So Christy, let's talk about our experience at the grocery store in Colorado a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) Right. I
1: mean, I didn't tell you at the time, but
0: thoughts were going through my head. Words of affirmation are my love language. So I think even at the grocery store, which you didn't explain to me in detail what you were thinking and experiencing shopping with me now that I'm in this Recovery phase of my eating disorder. But I remember turning an aisle, going maybe about to check out or something. And I said something along the lines of, So, have you noticed how easy I've been?
1: Right. You're kind of <laughs> wanting some words of affirmation. At I wanted the time. You to. And affirm- honestly, I was noticing it in my head. I just didn't say anything out loud. Words of affirmation is not my strong point, yeah. honestly, to other people. So, if I'd have recognized you needed that. Well, but but you prompted it. Don't worry. I asked for it. (laughs) Well,
0: I just wanted to know if you noticed and you said, yeah, I noticed, but it wasn't until later on that we had a real conversation about it and other things started to come out beyond just the anxiety that I gave you anytime we would grocery shop together or eat as a family together. So I'm going to sit back and let you share with people your experience with my eating disorder because when you have something like that going on or disordered eating whatever it is for you body image issues you're altering your lifestyle and it could potentially affect other people you don't realize what you're doing is so annoying how it's affecting other people. <laughs> and how it's affecting mm-hmm. and it may be annoying might not be the word but i know for me looking back i'm like wow I was annoying, but I also made you feel weird about things and had you second guessing every little move, but you can talk people through it just so that they can maybe know what they're putting others through and not to feel bad about it, but just to have a a full picture understanding of what other people might be going through. Or if, if anybody listening is living with someone that was like me or has a friend or a loved one, it's like me, they can say, Oh, gosh, okay, somebody gets me like I'm not
1: alone. Well, just to go back to the grocery store, I think things were going through my head. And so it wasn't until you brought it up like, Hey, are you noticing that I'm not being difficult at the grocery (laughs) store? And I was in my head, I was like, actually, yes, yes, I am, you know, because as I was picking out this, that or the other, whether it was a cheese or a salad, you know, and you are one to always wanted to read the label. And sometimes you'd put things back or grab something extra that was the same exact thing, but maybe... That fell into a category that you thought was better for you. my approved list, right? Of, you yeah. had you had like lists, and and it changed, and that's the thing. Like, oh, yeah. like things would change, and all of a sudden you're on this kick, and then you know you're gone. We don't see each other for a little while, and you come back, and I'm like, oh, guess what I have? And you're like, oh, I don't need that anymore, you know. And it's like, ah, I can't keep up with all your things, you know. You're always like, and what was amazing, you know, one week, a few weeks later is not amazing anymore because there's something different. And better, and everybody has their own things. And I think you really do, and you really have just kind of learned what works for you, and kind of your perspective on eating has changed. And I like the term disordered eating, I guess, a little bit better than eating disorder. Because well, it's a different
0: me, stuff, is it? Well, there's I, I different don't... because, well, for me, and I'm no expert. I bring mm-hmm. the experts on, but from my understanding, and I hadn't really labeled anything as disordered eating until I did outweigh with Lisa, and that's the first yeah. time I started seeing, I started following different Instagram. Accounts and people that this is their passion and they want to help people. And so there's anorexia, there's bulimia, there's like clinically diagnosed bulimia and anorexia. There's times where people may go a day without eating. Does that mean they're 80 pounds and they need to be in a clinic somewhere? No, but they are depriving themselves of food Mm -hmm. because of a certain goal that they have or feeling that they have. Then there's people that throw up maybe once a week. Or there's people that throw up 50 times a day. So there's different levels of extreme where outweigh we were speaking to more of the people that were like us because we're not, again, I'm not an expert. You need to go get, and I'll go ahead and give a disclaimer here if you're listening to this. If you have something extreme like that, our advice would be to seek professional help because we want you to help Mm -hmm. save your life. Because that's what, I remember Julie Cox, a family friend of ours, A long time ago when I met with her about when I was throwing up, she told me, she said, every time you throw up, it's a slow suicide. Mm -hmm. And that stuck with me, Mm -hmm. but it still didn't keep me from doing it. (laughs) And then I saw an article somewhere recently too. If you have thrown up consistently for five years or more, you should go get your esophagus checked Mm -hmm. out because of the damage that you're doing. And for me, I wasn't ever 50 times a day. I wasn't even 10 times a day. I was more of a, every once in a while, if it was really bad, maybe every day for a few days and then totally stop or whatever. So eating disorder category, disordered eating, body image issues, body dysmorphia would be orthorexia where you are obsessed with ingredients and certain types of food and healthy things and you're overly Healthy, like it gives you anxiety if you can't control that. You try to. I've had you all had of them, that, right? Okay, I've had times where I haven't. Eaten. I didn't know there was a name to that. I have. I need to listen. To Time series where I've thrown up. I have mm-hmm. times where I've just controlled every little mm-hmm. detail of what I put in my body, which would be orthorexia. I have you know, different trying every different fad diet known to man. And that was kind of my thing Mm -hmm. being known for what was the next thing. I had disordered eating. If I couldn't go to a family dinner and sit down at the table and just eat what was being served to me and enjoy it, that was made with love, like from you or dad or mom, I couldn't do that. I had
1: to show up with my own food and my Mm -hmm. own ingredients and my own thing. So that's And I would get to the point where I would just designate you to bring the salad anyways so that you could make the salad how you wanted it and the dressing how you wanted it you know, I'm a nine on the Enneagram, which is a peacemaker. So I'm not going to be the one that's going to be confrontational about things. I'm going to try and just adapt to whatever's going to keep the peace a little bit. But I think there was a couple times where I was like, okay, this is getting a little bit ridiculous. And I don't think I knew the extent to what was going on in your mind. I didn't always know all your battles with the bulimia and the binging and the purging. Well, so,
0: and to clarify some of my story, which I shared it fully on outweigh episode two, and that is a four part series. The aired on Four Things podcast back in April every Saturday. You can go find the episodes, but I share my full story there. But I started throwing up in high school, but then I stopped in college, and then I didn't throw up at all. I mean, I didn't realize I had disordered eating though. It mm-hmm. stuck with me. What I was doing from college until you mom were died, exercising. I a was lot. exercising a lot. I was trying every right. meal plan Little fads. No. Yes, mm-hmm. like that is disordered eating. Right. So to help again wrap up the definition of that if there was any
1: confusion that's why there is there's different little right. parts it wasn't just one thing that you were mm-hmm. kind of set on
0: then after mom died the day after she died the throwing up was back
1: and to me it blew my mind because I, well, I remember I didn't know the throwing up had started but I remember what happened we pulled over and you were like, "I'm getting a pizza."
0: Uh-huh. I don't remember this.
1: You got a pizza. You have I'm to tell me. I don't sure, remember because basically, what happened? That whole I feel time like that so much was of really that sick, was a blur. And well, I remember it because I was just kind of. I wasn't even thinking about eating and people were dropping off food at my house. And, you know, mom was in hospice care and, and not doing that good. And then she came to the house. So we had a lot of food in the house, but I just didn't feel like eating. And we had, you know, your in-laws were constantly going and picking up juice land for us. And you would only get juice. Green juice. Like you were only drinking no fruit. the tiger lily, not even the apple. You Green know, it was veggies. Like, mm-hmm. Only tastes like watered down spinach is kind of what it tastes like. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I can't do that. Just get me a Wonder Shows and it at least had almond butter and whatever. So I'm living off Wonder Shows and smoothies and you're just living off juice. And right after mom died, I remember we were driving and you know, that little pizza place right by my house. We were driving past it and you're like, I'm going to get a pizza. And in my head, I was like, oh, she's going to get a pizza. Okay. And like we picked up the pizza and you you ate the whole thing. It was a veggie pizza. I think you probably purged later. Oh, I'm sure I did, sure not I did know, but I don't. But I think it started okay right then, and I just wasn't like aware of what was happening, and that this was like a way that you were coping with things. And
0: well, it started when it started. I mean, I'm sure that's what I did with the pizza, okay. and it's weird I don't remember that, but I'm sure I remember it. It's a mixture of grief and mm-hmm. mourning mm-hmm. that I don't remember certain things. And lack of
1: control, lack of control. So you're trying to control yes, something.
0: and then well, Xanax, wine. So there's a lot that's a little bit of a blur. I mean, our mom had just died. So that's interesting. You remember that? And I'm sure that's exactly what that was. But your birthday was the day after she died. Mm -hmm. And your in-laws decided to have a little party at the house and got a food truck. It was this weird thing where- Did you have a lobster roll? I did. And then maybe some fries or something. I don't remember, but I hadn't really eaten all day. And I ate that and something about me, because again, I hadn't thrown up in years, mm-hmm. years and years and years after I ate something about me that felt wrong. I was trying to explain to my therapist. And even we talked through it on way. it's, it's like, I'm supposed to be grieving right now. Grieving people don't eat. I need to get rid of this. Mm-hmm. So I went over to
1: Kristen's house, your neighbor mm-hmm. and like their pool house. And I threw
0: it up and that's when you it started.
1: hmm okay, then I haven't listened to that part of the outweigh that you talked about it. And you and I haven't really talked about this. I know. Because I felt the same way. I was like, it was a different feeling that I had. Like, I'm not supposed to be celebrated today because it was my birthday. And I was like, how do I celebrate in the middle of this, you know? But
0: But that's where it all, that's when the throwing up for me came back, just so you understand the timeline. Then that added another layer back into the mix. So not only was I now reintroducing the purging, but I had binging. Then I had the orthorexia. I mean, I had it all I about, you know, everything. No, and
1: I, I've seen all of that, mm-hmm. I think, in you just over the years, ever since high yeah. school, college, when you used to like try and run marathons and do all this over-exercising, kind of under-eating, over-exercising type mm-hmm. stuff. But just to revisit really quick back to what I've noticed just these last few weeks, especially when you're in Colorado. And well, and it's the we last
0: were, few weeks, I'll Just people hate when I cut people off, but I just want to paint the picture. She always cuts me off.
1: (laughs) She's joking. I'm used to it.
0: But I know I'll get an email like, well, why didn't you just let your sister talk? But I'm going to say that it's the last few weeks for you because we've been together. Like I was in Colorado with you and now you're here with me in Nashville. So we've been together a lot more. Right. But
1: I've been putting in the work for a year and a half. Now, no, I'm saying that I haven't spent we haven't spent a ton of time right. together obviously because of quarantine and different things, but even even last visit at the beginning of the year when I was in Nashville, I noticed some differences like on us ordering food and what we had and what the experience was like, you know, because typically it would be kind of stressful to go to a restaurant with you because you'd basically want the waitress to like lay out every ingredient and how it was cooked and where it was from. And is it this? And is it that? Oh, can you sub this and sub that? And actually I brought my own dressing. It's in my purse, you know, or like different things that you would do. And that's obviously part, been part of your journey. But then what I've noticed, even just recently, obviously the grocery store experience was you seemed more free at the grocery store and there wasn't a lot of like micromanaging my choices. And then also that night we were cooking. I remember we were grilling chicken and I was marinating the chicken and I didn't, wasn't even like totally aware of my thoughts. But but then I realized if I started Being more aware of my thoughts as I was marinating the chicken, I was putting like spices and apple cider vinegar and olive oil in a bag and the chicken breasts in there to marinate. And I was just waiting for you to want to read my spice jar you know, ingredients or to come over and double check what kind of, you know, olive oil I was using or oil. Maybe I wasn't supposed to use olive oil. Maybe you wanted me to use avocado oil or some other oil or no oil. I mean, I just, it's, it's always been so hard to know and you did it. And I remember, I think I brought it up and I just was like, you know what I just noticed? I just marinated this chicken and you were in here. I was sort of trying to hide the spice bottle from you <laughs> and you saw me you didn't say anything. And I was like, I think you're growing, (laughs) you know, in this area of being free of a lot of the bondage you've, you've been in over food. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's a heavy thing, but it's a very real thing. You know, it's, Probably been a struggle. You know, there's been times I've cooked things and I remember you weren't doing dairy and and I had made something and I was like, well, she's not really allergic to dairy. <laughs> and this sauce is so much better with like two tablespoons of cream in it. And it was like a lemon wine sauce and with chicken. And you took one bite of it. This was years ago. And then you went, oh my gosh, is there dairy in this? It was like you were mad at me for what I had made. Mm-hmm. And, you oh, know, yeah. in our family, cooking is sort of a love language. Like that's kind of what our how our dad you know how he showed love he cooked for people but then when you're cooking for people and then someone's always micromanaging or it's not the right thing or whatever and if you're like truly allergic to something that's different. you know that's a total t- different issue but your needs and everything were constantly changing and there's there no was way anybody influxed, could influxed. like <laughs> yeah, I put it upon myself and nobody could really keep up mm-hmm. um so to see you growing through it i think is encouraging and give Give people hope out there for what the steps are that are necessary to just break free from the bondage that some people feel under and over food, body issues. issues. I mean, all of those things. Those those have been your things.
0: Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that is my thing. Because when I started therapy in high school, after told mom I had started throwing up, they would pinpoint it to, well, your dad mm-hmm. left mm-hmm. when you were younger and this is how you're coping mm-hmm. with it. And maybe that is the case. I don't know for sure that I buy fully into that now. But I really feel like I started dieting at such a young age. What I've learned is that when you start to restrict your brain is starving and Mm -hmm. it starts to want more. Mm -hmm. So then you start eating more when you can't control it and then you overeat. And Mm -hmm. then some people are like, well, I got to figure out how to get rid of this. And then they start Mm -hmm. purging. And then that cycle begins. And then it's also, my therapist has told me too, it's behaviors like binging their depressants for the central nervous system, sort of like alcohol, they Mm -hmm. can create a numbing feeling, Mm -hmm. especially, and if anybody's been caught in that mindless eating cycle, you almost feel like it's an out-of-body experience. Mm -hmm. When you throw up, there's a certain euphoric feeling that comes along with it. And then you're sort of disassociated from reality in that world. And there's a lot of feelings that are either felt and then not felt with it. So it's like this great combo. And for me, whatever I was using that to cope with either the dad stuff or why I use dieting, I don't know. But you never started dieting at a young age because dad left you too. So then I thought, mm-hmm. well, why didn't my sister end up with eating disorders or disordered eating? Different or-
1: issues, I think. I think I just started trying to perform certain ways, like if I just make these decisions and and don't do these things and be, you know, even though I failed in, in different ways, I think on the outside, I just wanted to look like I had everything together where oh, whereas yeah. on the inside, I really was falling apart. No one could know, you know, and I couldn't ever show dad I was angry because if I showed him I was angry, then he might not ever come back and, you know, which he didn't, but to mom. But you were like, trying to win him over. I was trying to, to perform to innocence. A, in a sense Yeah. Okay. Well, so, and that's something I've always struggled with, and I think we might get into that later. Like, like what is the lie you've always believed, and when did it enter in?
0: Yeah, we'll do that in the third thing. But did you ever diet at a young
1: age? I don't remember like, you must dieting. Like, n- I don't have enough self control for that. But
0: that's that's um, the thing. I think that again, because I- food, I just like. food. Well, but there's times I can. Well, um, no, but here's my thought on that. Yes, there's the angle of like, I could have used it as a way to deal with the dad stuff. mm -hmm. But also neurologically, there's just some stuff I messed up possibly by starting to diet so young. And whatever caused me to do that, insecurities, diet culture, it's everywhere. Um, Well, and
1: mom was doing things too at the time. Like during the 90s, there was all the fat spray butter. Yes. With the
0: spray butter. I used to use like half a
1: bottle of spray butter on a waffle, and I was like,
0: I'm so healthy right now. This
1: is fat-free. Forget the spray. Just open it and pour it on there.
0: That's what I would do. And we did have a family that lived with us for a little bit because they were- Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Which but they lived with us when, for a little bit. But I think I was in college. You were gone. Yeah. But I was probably, probably eighth influenced. or ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And the mom ate a certain way. That's when diet foods were first brought into our house. And I think I was exposed to that. And so I think as moms, we have to be super careful with our kids about not putting them through any sort of dieting because that is going to mess them up long term mm-hmm. down the line. And, mm-hmm.
1: I wish that someone would have. But do you would've... feel like mom was like, "Amy, you should eat no. this fat-free butter." No, I don't think so. but I don't
0: think she was like, "No, Amy, it don't was... worry about that. Love mm-hmm. your body. Mm-hmm. You don't need that." Mm-hmm. I think it was there was just, just was no conversation about mm-hmm.
1: it. You want fat-free snack walls? Okay, we'll buy them. Well, then she would go through times where she would kind of make those like weird cabbage soups, and she would do. Oh, she did the master cleanse all the time. Remember.
0: Uh-huh. When she did the lemon juice, cayenne, cayenne. and maple syrup for yes. 10 days.
1: Yes. And apple cider vinegar? Did yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't remember.
0: Know. But so many people have emailed in after listening to the Outway series and said that their moms passed on to them the Weight Watchers culture, the mm-hmm. points. the mm-hmm. And if you do any of that, I'm not knocking a particular brand, so don't at me. No, I'm just saying that was very popular at the time. And so, and moms, because of how they grew up and it was just part of the time, I think they didn't know any better. And they're like, oh, well, I'll just put my kid on points. And then it creates (laughs) this whole Mm -hmm. messed up thing. And then they Mm -hmm. have to weigh themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's just not, it's such a bigger picture that I'm being exposed to with that we have as a society, we're fat phobic. Mm -hmm. And we all have been told this is the body type you're supposed to look like, Mm -hmm. which is not Mm -hmm. attainable for most of society. And it's probably airbrushed. Correct. (laughs) And then some people, yes, are naturally like that. Or some people are literally starving themselves to get there. But you don't know that you just see them on a magazine and then you think, Mm -hmm. well, shoot, that's how I'm supposed to look. Mm -hmm. So what do I need to do to get that? But I'm personally seeing a shift. And maybe it's because of what I'm surrounding myself with. But I'm thankful for the people that are putting themselves out there and are super wise and educated in this area. There's so many different things to be passionate about, but there is a, a crop of dietitians and leaders in that that are kind of shunning the old ways mm-hmm. of Nutrition work and dietitian work of like, hey, this is what Mm -hmm. we need to be focusing on now. We don't need to necessarily tell someone to lose weight just because they don't weigh what this other person weighs. Mm -hmm. Weight does not equal health. And for so long, we've been told that weight equals health. Thank you for giving an update on where I was and where I am now. Because again, like you said, it can be encouragement to others. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen overnight. Again, I started really putting in the work and quit purging a year and a half ago. But it's taken that long putting in the work to where I can go to the grocery store and not have anxiety or I can go to a restaurant and not be obnoxious. (laughs)
1: Yeah, no, it's been, I see a lot of growth. So I would say people can trust um, the insight that you give on on your path to get there.
0: Let me tell you about this 100% Mongolian cashmere sweater that I got for $50. I ordered it in Navy, the crew neck style, and it is perfect. I wore it with jeans and heels to work and then later in the day threw on sneakers and it was a simple outfit that got so many compliments and something like this exists thanks to quince I already have the ivory color in my cart for my next order which by the way I never thought I would own anything cashmere before but since all quince items are priced 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands it's doable now they also have organic cotton sweaters washable silk tops timeless 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more that you need to check out for yourself. And here's how they do it. They partner directly with top factories. Quince cuts out the middleman and passes the savings on to us. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to Quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Amy to get free shipping and 365-day returns Every day, Express recruits and screens workers in your area so that when it's time to hire, they have the talent you need ready to work. With more than 40 years in the staffing business, Express helps thousands of companies find great team players each year, and they can help you too. Just go to ExpressPros.com. Each express employment professional's location is locally owned and operated, backed by the support and stability of an international headquarters. And with more than 860 franchise locations, there's sure to be an express office near you. So make hiring easy and go to expresspros.com to find the location near you. I was reading this whole article the other day about vitamin D and why it's so important, especially for women. Maybe I was really into it because I'm turning 43 next month, but it talked about how Vitamin D is very important to the absorption of calcium in our bodies, and it maximizes our bone health, and it helps with our muscle health, our immune system. And 97% of women ages 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet. So I was instantly thankful that I take rituals essential for women 18 plus every single day because the clinical study was done, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43%. Now, there's nine key nutrients in the Ritual Vitamins that I take every day. I take two delayed release capsules, and what that does is it optimizes our body's absorption. I take it in the morning. They're gentle on an empty stomach, so you don't have to worry about that. And there's this special minty essence in every bottle that just, it smells good. They taste good. They're fun to take. And Ritual's essential for women. They are USP verified, so you know that you can trust what you're putting in your body. No more shady business. Ritual is essential for women. 18 plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 20% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash four things. Start ritual or add essential for women 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash four things for 20% off.
1: I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? Yeah.
0: Second thing. So Jennifer Rollin, who is on our outway series, is an awesome follow on Instagram, registered dietitian, coach, counselor. She really is doing a lot of amazing work in the eating disorder world. And she put up a post on Instagram that I want to go over, and it says, what can contribute to ED development? And the post said, eating disorders are considered biopsychosocial illnesses and stem from a variety of factors rather than one single cause. Which, you know, Mm -hmm. in the first thing we were talking about how therapists would try to say, oh, yeah, this is you filling a void for your dad. So it wasn't that single cause, I don't Mm -hmm. believe. Also, genetics can play a factor. Temperament, example for some people, not everyone, a tendency towards perfectionism, Mm -hmm. harm avoidance. However, some ADs are more linked to impulsivity, rigidity, rigidity, rigidity. That's
1: how I say it.
0: (laughs) you learned it here first folks, need for order in their life, someone that's rule bound and tendency Mm -hmm. towards anxiety. Also environmental factors, which can include oppression, racism, sexism, fat phobia, food insecurity, trauma, bullying, modeling from others and going on a diet. So there's a lot that can contribute. So if you're ever sitting around and you're trying to pinpoint and figure out what caused me to be this way. Well, it could be any number of these things. That's
1: probably just usually like a perfect storm of things. I mean, it's not one thing, but it's... Well, and I want people to know
0: that you're normal if you're experiencing something and you're nothing is wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And there is hope and you're not alone. And I hope that you could get some help if you needed it. But I know that that's not possible for everybody. And again, I know it seems silly to say, we'll follow some of these Instagram accounts, but that's a place where you can get some real encouragement and it's free. <laughs>
1: And it's usually real stories.
0: And Jennifer herself, what I like about Jennifer and then even Lisa, they both have been through it. They're both in recovery. And so you see the hope there, but then they're giving, they've made it their life's work and their mission to help people find the freedom. So for me, you know, we talked about it earlier. I don't know. I can't pinpoint it for sure. I think I know what caused it. And for me, I think the bulk of it was dieting before my before it's was too early, my brain was fully developed. Some studies show that if you diet as an adult, but not as a kid, you won't develop the same type of disorders mm-hmm. because your brain is fully developed. But if you start it too young, that's when it, it kind of can go into survival mode. And then you've wired your brain that way. And that's why you can eat and, eat and eat and eat and eat and then figure out how to get rid of it and starve, starve, starve. And then your body's like, shoot, feed me, feed me, feed me. So it's a vicious cycle. But as an adult, you can still create unhealthy patterns. But it's just a lot harder
1: to break if you start it when you're a kid. A lot of what was described, I felt like described you, all those different things that they said, but also a lot of them described me, you know, and I I didn't move into that disordered eating. But when it talked about perfectionism, the thing that popped in my head about you, because I wouldn't necessarily say you're a perfectionist. I'm not. But in some ways, yes, 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 you are. Because at a young age... Do you remember when you wanted every hanger in your closet needed to be white plastic?
0: Yeah, and right now I want them to be all black felt.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, at the time, we mainly just had like those wire hangers, you know, like that you get at the cleaners, like the wire ones, and that's what all our hangers were. And I remember the day you decided... All of yours need to be white plastic. And now that's kind of a thing that your closet is organized when all the hangers match, but you shout like, out home at it. I know, but you were on that train like when you were in middle school. Well, I don't
0: see myself as a perfectionist. You have your couch I'm in your living room and you have the curtains and you get out a tape measure, and you measure each side of the couch to each side of the curtain to make sure there are seven inches on each side. Right. Like, and I don't do that. to be a
1: certain way. And I know you've recently gotten on the wagon where you make your bed every day, but, like, I've been in that club for a really long time. <laughs> I and used I've to not understand the club, <laughs> but it's amazing. And I've known that making my bed was the key to a good day. And if I had a bad day, most likely my bed was not made, you know? And so there's things that I guess I've been more perfectionistic towards, and there's things you've been more perfectionistic toward. You're more of a perfectionist than I am. I well a lot of what you're describing would put me in a category of someone who is at risk to yeah. disordered eating and well, I just, what's up? I don't know. <laughs> That's maybe, amazing. Maybe you. I saw it in you and I don't know. I, don't I can't know. really I'd have to go I'm, back and like journal through that for several days to to find in my heart what's going on with
0: Well, that. I'm thankful you didn't because another post and then we'll wrap this thing up that Jennifer also put up, I think maybe even the day before that one, said I feel sad for my former self who was trapped in an eating disorder. I missed out on so much delicious food, connection, and moments of joy. Yeah. And it's so true. I think back on, I I missed out on a lot of that, and I can't get it back. I mean, now our dad has a stroke, Mm. and his Mm -hmm. hands don't work as Mm -hmm. well, so he can't cook. And now he's a feeding tube, and he can't eat, and he's an assisted living place. I have no more opportunities, really, for dad to cook for us. I know. And I blew a lot of those opportunities by showing up with my own food because I didn't want to eat his food because it had too much butter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there was even times I did that to mom or times where, similar to you, where I projected my eating disorder onto you without even really knowing it. I know I've done that to Ben, my husband. I know that I was doing it to my kids a little bit when they first got here because I wasn't in recovery mode then. And I've, I've done a 180 with how I am with them and food mm-hmm. from how I thought I was going to yeah. be Because my plan was to just, they were going to be like me Right. And watch every ingredient and none of this and none of that. And ice cream? Are you kidding? My kids don't get candy. (laughs) What?
1: And now- Oh my gosh, we have like eight cartons of ice cream
0: in the freezer this week. (laughs) And there's a time in my life where I would not have been able to have ice cream in my house. Right. Or I would not have been able to have Butterfingers in my pantry because Mm -hmm. I would either eat them all or I simply didn't trust myself to Mm -hmm. eat them all. So I would have to throw them away. I would have to get rid of them. I, yeah, I could not have stuff like that. And now I got to say, it's amazing because I can have that stuff, which honestly brings me joy because when family comes to visit, we can have ice cream night and it's not the end of the world. Right. <laughs> and I don't feel like I have to eat the entire thing of ice cream because I'm never going to have ice cream again, because right. that's, that was my mentality. If I had it tomorrow, right. I'm going to wake up and have a green juice and then I just won't eat. Right. Now we have the connection of, Trying all kinds of ice creams. Like we had four different ones open the other night with spoons in and out. Don't recommend that with coronavirus, but we're (laughs) family. And we know that we're we're not sick right now. uh, But you know, just be careful. People that you're quarantined with, you can do that with. But that's fun stuff. And that ma- it makes me happy to like look in my pantry and see the variety of things. What did you freak out on the other day that I was eating a
1: pop tart? Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> well, first of all, I woke up and Amy had made like an amazing breakfast. And mm-hmm. what was in the pan? A can of black beans and a can of Rotel that's in the pan. And you kind of cook that a little bit and get it going hot. And then you just kind of crack eggs on top of it. And mm-hmm. it makes sort of this not huevos ranchos, but sort of like that type of like this Mexican chicken egg dish. And it was so good. And so we all had some of that. And then I forgot I was asking you like, oh, Amy, did you eat? Because we kind of just came in and kind of ate. We didn't sit around the table and eat. Yeah. And I did crushed tortilla chips on the side with avocado. avocado. It was it was so good and so easy. Like migas. And then she just casually said something like, "Oh yeah, I had some eggs and I had a pop tart," and I was like, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> like those words, I did just not did not imagine the word pop tart coming out of your mouth that you ate one. And I think it was like just a portion of a pop tart, but still, still, still.
0: <laughs> well, because I still. ate to what I was where I was satisfied. If I wanted and to eat like, the oh, whole pop tart, sweet bite of this great. Pop-Tart. If I want half the pop tart, great. It used to be all or
1: nothing. It's not like I better eat this whole Pop-Tart because I'm not going to have Pop-Tarts for two years after this. Right. You know,
0: so I could eat half the Pop-Tart, put the rest in a Ziploc bag and eat the rest tomorrow if I wanted it. And that's a huge step for me. So back to the connection and the joy, that's what that is. I mean, we mm-hmm. were, I made breakfast as a family and we got to have it. And I know that I missed out on some of mom's things. I think I was going to say that I know that I put it on mom and that's something I regret because she is no longer with us. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to go to Ben and say, I'm sorry. I'm able Mm -hmm. to say to you, hey, Christy, I'm sorry that I put you through that, which I did the other day in the car. (laughs) Because maybe some people listening, maybe there's people... She just
1: apologized out of nowhere.
0: Maybe there's people that you need to reach out to and apologize for. And maybe I still have more people if you're listening and... I owe oh, you an apology. I, I don't know, but I know where I am now has allowed me to see the hurt and maybe, not that I hurt or caused you pain, but I still. No, because uh, we
1: just adapted to it, but it was. Annoying. Yeah. And
0: then I caused you to second guess things about yourself or how you were eating or should you.
1: It just was unnecessary. Oh, yeah. yeah. It would kind of be like, I can't believe you're putting that into your body type. Judgment. Judgment. Yes. Yeah. So that's why. Maybe not I, in so many words, mm-hmm. but it definitely was was there. And that's what I would do to mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would judge her. Oh, I know. But you know she would. She would be so proud of where, you're, where you are. And she's not one to ever hold grudges yeah. over that stuff. So she would just be proud you're growing through it. And yeah. you don't need to carry that. And that I'm no longer. Plus this morning, I saw a cardinal fly out your window and outside landed in a tree. And cardinals represent joy and mom. And I just knew she's just <laughs> watching over your house. I know. Christy walked by me. I was in the kitchen. She goes, don't worry, mom <laughs> just
0: flew by. You're good.
1: <laughs> and I was like what? No, and so, then I saw another one. You've got like a little So flock moms of all around. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Thank you, Jennifer Rollin, for the amazing posts mm-hmm, and good. always happy to share her stuff on here for sure. Here we go. Third thing. Okay, so let's talk about the lie that entered your head. Where did you do this? At some retreat?
1: Oh, it was at this retreat called Camp Well. It takes place in Colorado, and it's just a group of ladies. And we had a speaker, and I totally forget who it was, but it really, you know, you kind of go through different exercises where you're just kind of connecting with different things that might have been going on in your mind or might be holding you back. And so one of them was uh, we had to sort of just journal about what's like a constant lie that goes through your head. So it was just like, one, two, three, go. And you're just like journaling kind of going, okay, what is the lie that goes through my head? What is the lie that goes through my head? What am I constantly telling myself? And mine kind of bordered between these two things, like I'm not enough and I'm not worthy. It was like those two things. And I couldn't like pinpoint, you know, why or how that was a lie, but that's a constant thing. Like if I walk into a room of people, no matter what, in my mind, I constantly will think, I don't feel like I should be here. I don't belong here. I'm not worthy of being here. I'm not enough to be here. Like those little things. And so then the next part of the exercise, you know, as they were talking to us, just came up and said, okay, now that you've kind of identified what the lie might be, start kind of trying to recognize when you may have first heard that lie. Or first believed it, or it first entered your mind, and somehow, some way, I immediately had this picture of myself standing in front of the mirror in our dining room.
0: And we had mirrors it was the in our dining year, room. We had <laughs> really long mirrors. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And, and that's where I would like check table. out my outfit. Oh Did yeah, you go in there. And yeah, check same. Out your outfit for sure.
1: And so I obviously had gotten dressed and come to look at my outfit in the dining room mirrors and it was the year dad left and it was Thanksgiving and I don't know why this image was coming to my mind but I just pictured myself standing there and I had like these velvet floral leggings on I can picture the outfit like an oversized black kind of hoodie shirt and my hair was pulled back and I had that those big like what is a huge bow and it's made out of like chiffon or whatever that material is it would make like this big poofy black bow and I had my hair clipped back low and that like I can just picture I did my makeup I was probably 14 and that's the image that I had in my mind and I was realizing that dad was coming over for Thanksgiving and in my I don't know why this is emotional to think of but I'm like staring at myself in the mirror and I'm remembering this and I'm just thinking do I look good enough You know, do I, you know, is he going to be proud of me? Is he going to be proud of how I look? You know, I feel pretty good in this outfit, (laughs) but is dad going to notice, you know, type things? And am I going to feel worthy when he comes over? Because I think he came over for Thanksgiving that year or something, you know, he had been moved out and we did things together occasionally and he would come over and then that slowly got less and less and less apart. Right. You know, he still had like clothes in the closet at the time. And it's almost like every time he'd come over, he'd get more clothes and more things and, and take yeah, home wherever he was. Yeah, because the first
0: day he left, he only <clears throat> left with like a duffel
1: bag. He only took the red and black duffel bag. I thought he was going on a business trip. <laughs> well, that's what he said. He was going to go away for a little while. He didn't like specifically say, hey, I'm leaving y'all. He just said, but he was. I'm going to go away for a little while. And we kind of over the next six months figured it out ourselves what mm-hmm. was happening. But we yeah. were pretty slow. Yeah. <laughs> We were very slow. <laughs> well, no one was really telling us no. anything. No, like I was really sad that night, and I was crying. And I remember, remember, my best mom's friend friends came, came, over came over before it. Yeah, Emily, and, and they were mom with mom. And yeah, mom knew more, maybe Obviously. what was going on. Well, and yeah, her friends knew, but like I just thought, oh, Dad's leaving for a little while, but I mean, he's probably gonna come back. But I'm gonna be sad that <laughs> he's not now. here for a few weeks. That's what. Yeah.
0: I remember I didn't understand. I knew it was a business trip, but something felt weird about it because he traveled for work all the time. Mm-hmm. So much so that before he left, I ran back to my room and mm-hmm. got my little teddy bear, teddy bear and I ran to the door and I gave it to him mm-hmm. and I normally and wouldn't have done picture. that. Mm-hmm. I did?
1: Uh-huh. I don't were remember that. You sitting at the coffee table drawing him a picture. Yes. I visually remember this. What was the picture? I don't remember what All the was. All of us as a was, family. <laughs> you were drawing, and then you gave him the teddy bear.
0: I remember yeah. that part. So, vividly.
1: so you were sitting there drawing. I'm like sitting there crying. I don't think you understood. I did not. But I also didn't understand either. And
0: then I think a year later, maybe, he took me out to dinner. This is not how I advise parents go about this. No. He took me to dinner, and then we got home, and I were sitting in my room on my little twin bed, and he said, do you know what an affair is?
1: <laughs> I don't think we've talked about this. Oh, yeah. He did not t- say this to me. Oh, he said this to me. No, he did not because I probably already knew.
0: Right. I don't think that it needed on. to be explained. He, he said
1: that to you? Yes. And what'd you say? Did you? No. I wouldn't think you would have because you're like nine. <laughs> and why he chose
0: to – it just wasn't necessary. Like, kids don't need to. Right. But I think – Well, first of all, he had a girlfriend.
1: And what did he say? But we would hang out
0: with her, but I don't really remember. I just remember him asking me. He took me to dinner. And then I remember him sitting on my floor and I was on the bed and he just asked me if I knew what an affair was. So I had gone to his office and saw a picture of his girlfriend on the desk and I thought, Mm -hmm. and I think that's when he started to think, I need to address this with her. Mm -hmm. And then I had a softball tournament in Slidell, Louisiana, and he drove Mm -hmm. me there Mm -hmm. and some other friends, I guess. And I had to go out to his truck to get his wallet. And his mm-hmm. wallet, I got it out and it fell to the ground and, and opened up. Picture. And there was a picture of her mm-hmm. in his I mean, this is back when
1: you used to carry pictures in your wallet, mm-hmm. but she was in like a nightgown. She got pictures made. <laughs> And I thought and, and I knew really her. It's really weird when you're a kid and you come in and there's like kind of seductive pictures yes. of your dad's girlfriend.
0: But I didn't know she was his girlfriend at the time. Right. I knew she like, was whoa. I knew who she was.
1: Why does he
0: But have I was like what of her is in this? His
1: wallet?
0: So I'd already kind of figured it out. So I think when he asked me, I said no, but I knew.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. Well, you and I didn't really talk about it, but when I found oh. out I, Dad came and took me to a concert. And, and he said, Do you know what? And another- went. <laughs> no. Oh, what a concert she was went. it? I don't remember. I don't remember <laughs> what it was. I feel like it was George Strait. And I went and she went. And then they were holding hands. Ugh. And I was like, What is happening? Because she was like a family friend, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, What in the world is happening, you know, right now? And then I think I had later, I never talked to you about it. Cause I mean, you were little, I was a teenager. You know, I was 13, 14.
0: Right. My son Stevenson is the age that. Right. I, and so, yeah, it, it would just be hard. To I don't know. I that. just didn't
1: feel like maybe I thought it was too heavy for you to even carry. And I remember asking mom, like, is something going on with that? And, such and such. And she was like, well, you're going to find out sooner or later. And yes, you know, and it was like, oh, my gosh. Then it was like the world crumbled a whole other time. At the time he left, I had no idea. It wasn't even in my mind that there would be someone else. Yeah. And then now we know our dad.
0: (laughs) And he's been married four times. And I would venture to say unfaithful every marriage, maybe.
1: Oh, I mean, he just uh, not that kind of a habitual relationship
0: but i'm just saying we i almost have as weird as this might sound for some people i have compassion for mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. because somebody I doesn't do repeat that behavior mm-hmm. unless they're struggling with something themselves mm-hmm. and i don't i don't think my dad's a bad person No, at all. He's actually really amazing and has a really big heart. Horrible with relationships, Mm -hmm. and then that Mm -hmm. you could trace back to his childhood Mm -hmm. and things he had to go through and how he didn't have a dad entered
1: his life. Right? What What? is his life exactly? Maybe his is that he's not enough either, and you know he's constantly looking for what's going to make him and he was, I think, and he admitted that, and even even up to you know a few years ago, I think he came to us and said or at least to me we had a conversation on my front porch where he said you know he's never like fully apologized but he did say something like i'm just not after the things i used to be after family is the most important thing to me and i'm so glad y'all are in my life and i'm so you know and it just became that he just wanted to be with us and grow with us and not chase business success or money or or relationships and just be mm-hmm. so he's made a lot of mistakes in his life but i feel like he's He's come around to most of them. Yeah. So did you ever, did you want to talk about your lie or do you have a lie that you've realized that entered your life? Well, I have, similar to you, I know that I, I
0: enter rooms and think immediately nobody likes me. Mm. So, and that's a lie, but Mm -hmm. I don't know that that Mm -hmm. feeds into the whole eating disorder side of things. That's just a lie that I know I can think of, but I know there's Mm -hmm. lies that I told myself Mm -hmm. During my disordered eating stuff, and it was that I sometimes didn't deserve to eat, which is a lie. Mm -hmm. We always deserve Mm -hmm. nourishment. Almost sometimes, sadly, that I was better than somebody else if I ate this way. Mm -hmm. I'm a better person. I'm taking care of myself like this, so that makes me better which is a lie. You're not better than somebody else because you eat a certain right. way. I think that a lie was that I was a failure if I didn't do a marathon, which I shouldn't have done that marathon, by the way. I hurt my knee halfway through oh, training. Like, and then I was miserable. You were laid
1: up for a while.
0: Yeah. I had a boyfriend at the time. <laughs> I think you're and trying it- to impress <laughs> He literally broke up with me because I was so miserable after the marathon. I was a nightmare. So I would set these goals and I had to like do them or I was a failure. And if I didn't go to the gym every day, if I didn't eat this certain way, if I didn't get rid of the food mm-hmm. in a way. Another lie, I think if it falls into the disordered eating category is that you're better When you're thin or people like me more Mm -hmm. when I'm skinny, Mm -hmm. you'll be more likable Mm -hmm. and attractive. Those are very real lies Mm -hmm. that I think if you're struggling with body image issues, that stuff that enters your head and what you have to do. And what I love about Lisa, and that's the next thing I want to get into is a blog she put up about nine ways to squash food guilt, which Mm is sort of relates to this podcast and what we're talking about. But for right now, one of her sayings that relates to the lies in our head is fork the noise. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: She's like, stick a fork in it. It's It's noise. Uh And while it started with food thoughts, she applies it in every aspect of her life now. Mm -hmm. So if you Mm -hmm. were to walk into a room and not feel worthy, she would Mm -hmm. say, fork the noise. That's a lie. That's a lie. Mm -hmm. If I were to walk into a room and say, Mm -hmm. nobody likes me, Mm -hmm. fork the noise. If I were to pick up a hamburger and think I don't deserve to eat this I didn't work out today Mm -hmm. fork the noise that's me sticking a fork that's that's the sound of a fork (laughs) going into my no I think it could be
1: an interesting exercise for anyone who's listening to just really be aware of their thoughts be aware of the lies that enter Mm -hmm. because because I find myself doing that too now that I'm aware of the lie when it when it creeps in because it will creep in naturally it's like this ingrained lie that's coming in to yourself then when you're more aware of it then you can Push back, yeah. put the fork in it. Four with Amy Brown.
0: So, Lisa put this up on her blog, thewellnecessities.com, and I'll just run through these nine ways to squash food guilt right away. First of all, you got to identify and tackle fear foods. So, if you've got a food that's listed as bad, you're scared of it. You need to identify it and then don't eat it. No. Well, yeah, (laughs) eat it and incorporate it into your lifestyle instead Mm -hmm. of it being this bad food. So you've got the pizza and you need to eat the whole pizza now. Mm -hmm. Like, go ahead and make a complete meal and throw a slice of pizza on your plate with a bunch of other food and don't give it the attention. Be like, this is pizza. It's normal. So you can tackle that fear and then eventually have that food around without it giving you complete anxiety or freaking out. Don't put the experience on a pedestal, which is similar to that. When you give pizza this platform of being this aha food, then it has too much power over you. Mm -hmm. You've lifted it up. And when you Mm -hmm. normalize it, then you can have the slice of pizza and it'll hit the spot and then you can move on with your day. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's a little tip. Three, take off your last chance pants. (laughs) So this is kind of the scarcity mindset at work, Lisa says, where we think that eating certain foods are bad. And so we permit them, but only during a small window of time. So like last chance, your last chance pants. Not like literally, it's figuratively, but like I better eat this now because I'm not going to eat it tomorrow. Flag the and then story. She said that almost every client starts their chief complaint with, I eat healthy all day, and then they feel guilt, shame, and failure for blowing it after all their hard work. But the blowing it isn't real. They just think that eating healthfully is hard work and that certain foods are not healthy or good for you. And by practicing the first three tips – That'll help break down this idea, but it's important to recognize that no one meal can have long-term effects on you physically, but we all know that it mentally can affect you big time. So it's a mental thing. So think about your and then story and examine it with a critical lens, recognizing that Nothing terrible happened. Another shift you can expect is healthy eating no longer feels like a chore or like work because nourishing your body with what it asks for is simple and automatic. I'm still working on getting there with the simple automatic stuff. Five, recognize we don't just eat for physical hunger. Now, the latest in food guilt, she said, is self-loathing for eating when I wasn't even hungry. And then she says, facts. We eat for reasons outside of our biological needs, meaning we eat beyond needing calories for energy to live, recognizing we have different types of hunger, aka desires to eat, and all of that are okay. And we should be able to eat because something looks good or something smells good, because we're curious to taste it, because we love our grandma's lasagna, and sometimes because we need a break from real life and food simply provides joy and space. Number six, trust that only you know what you need. She said it's really easy to tumble into eating what everyone else is eating, especially if that person really makes you feel like you should be. But have you ever paused and asked yourself, do I want this? This simple practice might be more eye-opening than you think, and no matter what you eat, you have actively consulted with yourself, minimizing the why did I do this? You simply know. Number seven, Turn guilt into compassion. This is a skillful practice that will take time, but if you find yourself feeling guilty after eating, the best thing to do is notice and label the feeling. It's in this moment that the last thing you need is punishment or more rules. Your body and mind are already feeling unsafe and scared, so it needs to know that it's loved and that you have its back. Consider talking this out with someone that you trust or taking time to show love and care for yourself in whatever way feels good to you. The simplest and free offering is always a self-hug. Sounds cheesy, but it works, says Lisa.
1: Have you ever self (laughs) hugged yourself? No, but maybe
0: I need to. I think compassion is huge. Not only compassion for others, but compassion for yourself when you're on this journey of healing because you're going to need it. Number eight, recognize that stress, overeating is not healthy. Your body cannot distinguish the panic from guilt and shame and real stress. As a result, your body chemistry changes. It's not easy to just not stress, but having some self-soothing activities listed in your phone may be helpful to return to when you feel the most panicked. Maybe this is a word search, reading a fiction book, just breathing, a nature walk, or taking time to unplug from social media. And then lastly, number nine, let food bring you joy and your senses take over. She said, the funny thing about this journey for me is that while I used to consider myself a foodie, someone who wants every meal to taste drool, worthy, delicious, a big part of that stemmed from my disordered eating and fixation on food. Don't get me wrong. I love to cook and I love a killer meal. But some days, most days, lunch is just lunch and my focus is on other things. However, bringing pleasure and enjoyment back to food, if that's been missing, is critical to avoid food guilt. That starts with being mindful, taking a moment to stop the chatter in your mind and let your senses take over while you notice the changes in texture, taste, and even enjoyment. And Lisa is someone, she was pretty vocal on our Outway series that she would go to bed thinking about breakfast, wake up, eat breakfast. And while she was eating breakfast, she'd be thinking about what she was going to make for lunch. During lunch, she was planning dinner. Like her whole life revolved around food and what she was going to eat and when and how, blah, 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 and working out and all the things that she was never just enjoying it. And sometimes just seeing it, it wasn't ever just lunch. It was always such a thing. So again, check out thewellnecessities.com. And then on Instagram, she's at thewellnecessities. Sister, I love you. Thanks for having me. And I'm so glad you you. joined for this episode. Keeping it real here. Continuing some of the The Outweigh Talk, which Lisa and I are going to do a season two of Mm Outweigh. It probably won't release until later this year, though, probably in November, which I think that'll give us enough time to get some stuff pulled together and have in time for holidays because I know that's a time where people tend to have a lot of anxiety and stress. And I want you all to remember that – you know, we had a doctor on the Alway series talking about the anxiety and the chemicals that are produced from the stress and anxiety that you may have over food, mm-hmm. are or can be worse for you than if you were to just have eaten the Oreo or whatever it is you're stressing mm-hmm. about. So, That's interesting. Think about that. There are chemicals released when we are stressed and anxious about things. So, ah. just eat the dang Oreo <laughs> and fork the noise. Be kind
1: to joy. things, little food for your soul so Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful beautiful. Laugh a little
0: more things. Tight tighten up your core things. Said can.
1: you're kicking it with four things with Amy Brown.
0: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows that we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be the chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage and other solutions that help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit Ikea to explore more. You can't afford mess, so Ikea makes storage affordable. I've been telling you about Tecova's boots for a very long time. Heritage, tradition, quality, comfort, style, and service are some of the best features of Tacovas. But now they also have a gift for my listeners. Takovas will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps free with a minimum purchase of $100 at Tacovas.com. Just use code BONES at checkout. That's B-O-N-E-S at tecovas.com. And that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. Come and point your toes west. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can really make all the difference.